0: Hey everyone! Welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's podcast.
1: Hey, no one has problems, right? That's why we're not we're talking here to healing. Uh, this is what I, this is the last Sunday in this series. Because we are a church that needs to admit and confess and and receive and heal. No bubble wrap allowed. I'm excited today because I broke up my summer shirt for the first time. Short sleeves, little uh, lighthouses on this. It's supposed to be a great day. I'm very excited too because I have some special guests here today that know me as far as Glenda longer than anybody else here in, in this church. Back 33 years ago when I began ministry before most of you were alive. Uh, we had was at a little church up in Blue Mountain called Colopore. Anybody been there? <laughs> a couple, yeah. And uh, it was my first ministry, my first pastor. It was so exciting. I fell in love with that church. Was there 12 and a half years. Just saw some things happen and then grow and expand the parking lot, expand part of the building and, and watch people come. And, and a lot of that growth was due to this young couple named Daryl and Donna who I married saw so them date and got to marry them they want to be youth leaders in our church and people so that's when the church started to grow and they're here today I just want to welcome you thank you for Donna and Daryl Pastor Donna you're today they uh, she pastors in Collingwood and has been there I think gotta be at least 12 years isn't it 17 years so long so glad and so glad you're here today um we are talking about here to healing and and here represents uh, the brokenness in our life in that title. And, uh, we, you know, you and I cannot escape the fact that we have broken pieces, broken parts, because we live in a broken world. And when sin entered the world, uh, so did disease, so did sickness, so did betrayal and earthquakes and, and so much more that causes you and I physical suffering, emotional suffering and spiritual suffering. And here represents that point in your life where the brokenness needs to be Healed, So we're trying to move from here to healing in this these, these series. Now, today we're going to focus on the immense area of healing which is needed in our lives. And this is called relationships. Anybody have one? Yeah, I think all of us have relationships. Relational healing. And the relationships matter to us. And obviously it obviously matters to God as well because Rick Warren reminds us of this, this fact. Four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship to God. While the other six deal with our relationships with people. But all ten are about relationships. To understand ourselves better and the important role that relationships play in our life, we need to go back to the beginning of our story, to the book of Genesis in the Bible. And that's where it all starts. I know that because the very first words in the very first book of the Bible are this, in the beginning. So, you know, I, I get it. This is where it all starts. And there was a beginning, and the next sentence then says God created. He created heavens. He created the earth. He created light. He created darkness. He created land and sea and animals and man. And remember, we said each time God created, he, he expressed these words. The Bible says, and God saw that it was good. There was no brokenness, no disease, death, sin. Everything is going well, and then suddenly and abruptly, God's aware of the situation where he says, you know what? I'm noticing something that is not good here. And God has noticed something in his creation. And he says, this is, this is not, I got I to work on something, it has to change here. And what was that? Well, the Bible says this in Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And that one sentence, we learn something about ourselves. God is giving us some insight into how you and I were designed and made. He's telling us that how we are not designed to be disconnected, disassociated, disattached from one another. We're designed and created in such a way where we need to have connection with other people. Uh, Feeling connected with someone is much more than just being around people. You can can be a part of a crowd surrounded by bodies and still feel like I'm disconnected relationally. You can be here in person today at church and feel lonely. You and I are designed in such a way that when we feel disconnected from others, it affects us. And it it can affect us emotionally in adverse ways. In fact, when you feel disconnected, you can experience depression, In your life. And depression is essentially uh, feeling a loss. Your system uh, is wanting and craving connection, and you're not finding it. You're not experiencing it. And there are people with whom you want to connect to and need to connect to, but it isn't happening. And as a result, it can lead and cause you to become depressed or anxious. What's happening is you're responding to a loss in your life not feeling connected or being connected with others um, can also affect your health. According to the research of Julianne holt lunstead professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University, this is what I remember reading a while ago. It's this, the heightened risk of mortality from loneliness, get this, equals that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being alcoholic and exceeds the health risks associated with obesity. So it is a problem when we feel disconnected relationally from other people. And we now know, and you know this even in the school, that the studies done about the detrimental consequences of babies who didn't have parents, you know, and they began their life in an institution. They were fed they, they were given water, but they didn't receive the attention and the affection and love of another person. They were not held. Uh, no one engaged them in talk or with smiles and touch. And what they discovered was they, they took these babies when they were growing up. They grew up, they took pictures of their brains and realized their brains were undeveloped. They were, they, they were smaller than what they should have been. Even their bodies were smaller than what they should have been. In fact, they would be more prone to, to uh, misbehave and act out. They, they were fed. All the the physical things were sustained for them. Here's the bed, here's the food, here's the water. But they lacked connection with others. And as a result, they were undeveloped emotionally and physically. It's amazing to us because these babies received what we thought was necessary. But they lacked connection. The point is, we do not thrive, you and I, as people uh, when we are unconnected and alone. We don't thrive that way. The point is that we don't, and seeing this, uh, you know, is not good for man to be alone. The Bible says this. Then, then God made a woman from the rib, and He brought her to the man. And like what Adam's response is, "At last, finally." Like me and my wedding day, at last, <laughs> two years engagement. I wrote I wrote a song for Glenda to come down the aisle, and part of the words were, "The pain of the waiting." Mark, don't say that; they'll get the wrong. <laughs> We need connection. You and I don't do well without it. And, you know, there's a trend over the years, and we see it, and we study history, we see it, where we are more and more seeking to isolate ourselves from others. And I remember telling you this before, but I I just find this fascinating, um, how we can see this very fact, how we are distancing ourselves and isolating ourselves from others, how it's reflected in the houses we built nowadays compared how we used to build them. And I'm going to show you with pictures because pictures makes it always much more fun, right? So this is a picture of a house built in around 1880. That's actually our house back in Blythe, Ontario before we moved here. 1880. And um, houses back then had a front porch. Back in the day, the front porch was a place of connection. You'd be sitting on the front porch and your neighbors walked by and you call them up, hey, come on up, and you have some iced tea and share and visit together. It's just the way of life. And you can notice in this picture, you see the discol- discoloration of the brick. It used to the front porch used to be the whole front of that house. the whole the house. I mean, the front porch used to be the whole front of the house. You could have a church service up there. But some homeowner at some point said, no, we don't want a whole church service. We just want a few. And they reduced the size of the porch. Um I spent many mornings and evenings just like that, sitting in the front porch and in my Bible and engaging people, walking by, talking to them. Sometimes they'd come up. Sometimes we'd administer to them. We just got to know each other. I knew the names of everybody in my street without problem. Everybody. I love that, that life. But then... Um, we, 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 you know, we bought. I bought that house because I wanted a front porch. Because the house I had before that was in the Vancouver area, and Vancouver area did not have any front porch. Because newer homes are designed differently. This is our home out in the Vancouver area, and it was built not in 1888 but 1988. It had no front porch because the newer homes took away the front porch, and it reflects really how we are today that we are seeking not to be as connected to our neighbors and those around us as we. Used to be. So you know what they did with the front porch in these newer homes? They put it on the back. They they removed it, but they didn't get rid of it. They took front porch, put it in the back, and we're now you don't have to engage neighbors anymore. Now we have decks and patios in the back. We don't have to relate to anybody, see anybody, just keep to ourselves. Sometimes they're even fenced in. Like at our house. <laughs> but we still have a front porch where we live now. Uh, the home had no front porch, but you know what it had? It had a garage, two-car garage. And what you do, you come up the hill, my 1997 Mustang I had back then. All the neighbors knew it was coming, so and I would come up, and all you do is press the garage door opener, the garage door will open up, you drive your car in, you shut it, the door shuts behind you, and you walk in a door inside the garage to your house. You don't have to see anybody. That's how they design homes. If you want to go outside, you go out in the back in your fenced in deck area. We are safe, not have to talk with anybody. But the Bible, it, you know, it talks and it stresses the need for connection. You know, there are about 59 one another statements in the Bible. And they are extortions, ex, uh, exhortations to us to, to actually, that we are to connect. We are actually to do something towards another person. There, these are behaviors which come out of our love for Christ and just kind of reflects and splashes on those around us. So here are some of them. And the Bible says, carry each other's burdens. Encourage one another. Build up each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. There's so many more. And Andy Stanley said this, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. The primary activity of the church was to, and is, and was, and should still be, one anothering one another now if you know me you know i'm a student i love to learn i need to learn i don't know it all i know it's a shock to some of you but i don't and i learn from experience of others who have succeed and fail to succeed where they've succeeded and to avoid the failures that they have made i heard just last night that one of my professors died professor akins i love that man he was my professor out in school and um he actually was, a, we went to church, the same church. He was our circle uh, group leader. And that was a place where we'd come once a month with some food and potluck, and we would just connect with everybody in our circle. We just relate to each other, that connection. He knew the importance of that. I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, I was out in Calgary where he lived, and I called him up and said, hey, you know, Professor Akins, I'm here in town. love to go to church with you, take you out for supper or lunch after. And he picked me up, he and his wife Esther, and, went out to, uh, to this church service where he was active and, and still in Alpha and other things in his church, and went out for this. I said, where would you like to go? And he picked this Chinese restaurant. He loved Chinese food. And, you know, I sat down there, and the whole time I was telling this to go the last night, I hadn't told this to her before. I spent the whole time saying, this is what I learned from you. And I and I could say it. You, I remember you saying this. I learned this. This is how I'm applying it to my ministry today, what you taught me. And I can see him just getting so, like, just overwhelmed, like, just with 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 like I mean I made a difference. Yes, you made a difference. I'm so grateful for that, for what you taught and you poured into me, that connectedness, it connected. And actually went and I <laughs> I got him hundred dollars of gift certificates. Here's one for this Chinese food restaurant. I want you to come here and remember you make a difference after I'm gone. Celebrate that. You you matter to me. I have learned, and if you lead by your opinion, you're gonna fail. Um Instead, if you listen and you learn, you find out what where God is blessing. As a pastor, you learn out, God, where are you blessing? Where, what are you doing? You got to listen and learn, and then, uh, then you go join him there. So many times you say, this is what I think we should do. God, come and join me over here. Don't lead based on your opinion. What is needed um, is to listen to the Lord, ears open, ask questions, discover and so many times it's different than what you think it should be. For example, you know, like social media, that's that's a thing. You ever heard of social media? Our church is doing it now. I thought, well, really, social media, I never had social media. Caliport, we never had social media. We never we didn't have a web page back then, even when I started. And yet I, I'm listening, I'm listening to like Carrie Newhoff and other pastors. Saying, yeah, you gotta have this because there are people checking you out before they come here. And I kid you not, Friday I was walking down the hall at supper time. I'm walking out, and there's a fellow coming into the, the gym to watch a base or a basketball game. And I, so I talked to him. Hey, how are you doing? You're looking for the, the basketball? Yeah. And he looked at me and kind of went like this. I go, like, maybe he doesn't know English or something. I'm not sure. But he looked at me and he went, and he said, you know what? I go, what? I'd like, I, 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 never been here before. So I Googled the address, and what came up was a video of you of a minute preaching. I said, really? He goes, yeah, and then there you are. I come in the building, there you are, and it caught me off guard. Well, <laughs> oh, let's take up an offering then. No, I not do that. <laughs> but I said, that God said, yeah, you know what, understand people are, it, it connects with people, even social media. Um, Pastor Dave and I had lunch with our superintendent, our new superintendent, Ian Trigg, this week, and I was really enjoyed learning about his experiences uh, in ministry, because again, if there's someone there who's been successful, more successful than I am, I'm listening. I'm asking questions. And, you know, what I learned from, I'm telling what I learned from people like Reggie McNeil, and he goes, yeah, me too. Got to get this book. This book will change. And so I did it, your life in ministry. So I le- this is what I learned from Bob Goss, time with him. This is what I learned from this person. It's like you spend, you, you, you learn, you take in. You don't say, this is what I think and never move. You say, okay, I'm ready to listen, God. What's that to do with connectivity? Well, one church I pastored, it, I, what I would do, because the church understood the the um, importance that people are your greatest asset in the church beside the Lord, uh, they gave me a budget where I could uh, take staff and even board members to a growing church somewhere, and we'd hang out with them. And our board members would... Meet with their board members and they would ask them questions and listen and learn. And my youth pastor, I say, you shadow their youth pastor for a few days, and children's director, you you shadow their children's director and administrator, you shadow their administrator, and and I'll I'll hang out with the lead pastor. And one of these churches that we went to, I remember this church in Boise, Idaho, where I learned something important about connecting with others. The church had this large foyer. I mean, the sanctuary is big, but the 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 foyer, the lobby is all like Maybe half the size. It was huge. And had all these tables and chairs out in the foyer where people could sit. And they also had a coffee bar. Now, this was back when coffee bars weren't popular in church. I'd never seen one. I've seen one before, and that was in another church that took our staff to that was growing. I went, hey, maybe there's something about coffee and growth here. I don't know. But I I started thinking that there might be something to this, and I was asking him. And and what I witnessed on Sunday at that church, when people left the the sanctuary, they would get their coffee and sit down around these tables and talk to people, pray with people, laugh with people, invite other people to connect with them. I said, there's something here. And the pastor of the church told me, you know, even in fact uh, that sometimes during the service time, there might be a few people out here in these tables. And he said, I received criticism for that because everybody, they thought, everybody thought they should be in church. But he said, you know what we learned? Is that when that happens, someone was going through a crisis and they're being prayed for and ministered to. The other person was there to help. And I'll never forget the words he said to me. He said this. It was Pastor Neil Wiseman, Boise, Idaho. Some Sundays, for some people, more ministry is done around these tables than what takes place in the worship service. I went, ah, connected. It's hard to connect like this. We're in rows to each other, right? But when you get out after service and you sit around together, we've learned the importance today of, of big lobbies with chairs and tables and coffee because people want to stop and connect. And it's important that, you know, we've learned that it's important that it's right outside the, the sanctuary because when people walk out of the church, they can smell the coffee, they see the people sitting, they hear the buzz, and eventually they will they will stop. But if they have to go find it, they, they won't do it. So we, we learned this lesson. So when I got home, you know what I did? I went to Costco. <laughs> I bought tables and chairs. I got the Tim Hortons manager who had a lot of our youth working for him, who loved our youth, and he gave us coffee, Tim Hortons coffee at church. And after service, people came out, grabbed the coffee, sat down, and talked and prayed to each other listened to each other. I
0: was like, wow,
1: people crave connectedness with one another. Our theme for the series has been James 5.16, our theme verse, where it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You can hear the healing. You confess to one another. You pray for one another. You, you find healing with one another when you're, and when you're connected. I know I need to feel that way. I, I, it's important to me as a Christian, as a minister, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to be connected. Now, you know, and I, I just told you that. You know, for years, I've been meeting with pastors every week, connecting with them. And uh, I've had the privilege, and I call it a privilege to coach pastors uh, for, for a couple of years in church renewal practices. And every week we meet, and it's us sharing together. It's not me just talking for an hour, because we would never grow a bond together if I just sat there and talked and taught and read from the lessons. But we take time to, to, to talk about our lives and our ministry, and we share out of our pains, we share out of, our, out of our victories. And we would not form connection without that. So I'm always, I'm always having a share life together. And this past week, we were sharing about how God will use trials in our life to grow us. And we, we will experience difficult people and difficult circumstances, and, and you know we don't like it, but God can use those situations to teach us something and help us grow. So this past Wednesday, when I'm teaching this, and, and uh, Jamie Nelder, pastor of the Evangelical Church in um, Thunder Bay, and he was sharing a life experience which really spoke to me and spoke to the other pastors in the group, and asked, I said, Jamie, can I share this with my congregation people today? And he said, yes, go ahead. So we just share this story he shared about what God taught him out of times of trial and suffering. Watch this video. But James says in the Bible that we, you know, that we can actually rejoice in those trials because that we face because they give us opportunity to grow our character. So maybe it's not a difficult person but it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a trial, a, different situa- a difficult situation, which can help us grow in our character. And not that I want to take a long time, but I just want to give opportunity as well. If someone has, you can say, yep, I know that's true. As soon as you said that, this is what's happened to me. I went through this trial and this is the character, this is how it grew me in character. If anyone's like that, I'll give you a chance to say that, to share that because we are a group that, uh, that we share how to, from our hearts, and, and...
0: when uh, when I was in seminary, uh, within the first couple of months that we had uprooted our family, sold our house and our business, and moved to a new city, my five-year-old son was diagnosed with a benign tumor mm. that went from between his eyes. He had a little bump right here mm-hmm. through his skull, through the lining of his brain and into the interior. Didn't actually touch his brain, but they were concerned the problem being right. that it would allow infection from the outside to the inside. Uh, we went to school in January of 1996, and in May of 1996, he had his surgery at kids in Toronto. And for the rest of my career at seminary, every two weeks, I was going back, bringing him back. They discovered a underlying heart condition while he was in surgery. It was not fun. And I remember very clearly, um, mm. standing on the elevator at SickKids, after one of these biweekly, every second week appointments going, Lord, I've done all this stuff, I'm gone to school, I wanna serve you, and this, this, like really, this? I can't afford trips back and forth from no. to Toronto I can't I, I'm, I'm taking a day off school every time and 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 God has rarely spoken usually when God speaks to me it's a loud thought but this time it was like a voice in my head and it was like bonehead look around and I looked around the elevator and it was and, and it was if you've ever been a sick kids, they're all glass. Everything's glass in the atrium. And I could see the other elevators going up and down. And I was standing there holding my son's hand. We were going home. And everybody else was an adult. And And God said to me, you're going home with Christopher. Wow. Everybody else is going home alone. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and you know, it, every time I've been flirting with poor me or how, you know, why is this happening to me? Why is it, you know, or we have, you know, we've given up. I What have I given up? It's really nothing compared to what we're getting, but you can, and I remember that. And um, for as long as I will live. I will. Yeah. There's something about when you're going through challenges that cements in uh, in your mind um, mm. that you never forget um, there's, an, there's a Beth Moore study talking about um, Daniel and she says when you're delivered through the fire you never forget what God has done if you're delivered from the fire in five or six years it kind of fades mm-hmm. but when you're delivered through the fire you will never forget it. and I would say amen to that you're confessing you've done Beth Moore studies. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but amen to Yes, yes. Things happen in, in suffering that, that we don't that we will never forget and last in a way that that when it doesn't happen, we don't remember.
1: You know, that's I thank Jim. That's why I asked because I can read that. We can read that, but you, Jamie, spoke from experience that's real.
0: And um, how old's your boy now? He is 31 years old and is getting ordained on June 5th.
1: Wow. Awesome. Dude, that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. That's why That's why we're doing this together, you know, because you have a story there and it's just encouraging and, and helps us. And I appreciate you sharing that because it's, it's real. And um, I thank you for that. You see, it's through the connectiveness we've developed. And there's other pastors listening. There's a, group, a whole dozen of us there. But as we, we relate and connect, we share it out of our life like that. And it's so important. It's so needed. In fact, a little while ago, I just took a, a, the day or the, the, the time and said, "We're not going to do a lesson today. I just want to hear how are you doing? Because we've been through something called COVID. I don't know if you've heard of that or not. How are you doing? And pastors started opening up, and two of them said, if it wasn't for this group of connectiveness, I wouldn't be ministering today. That hit me. That's how important it is for all of us, even pastors, to feel we are connected. Now, Jesus says, tells us, we know this, the greatest commandment. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the commandment, when you think about it, speaks to how we need to connect in love with both God and our neighbor. So to experience this kind of connectedness, we are uh, where we experience blessing in our life, we need to begin with this in your notes. Number one, there's, there's just two things we need to do. I need to humbly ask God for help. That's where it starts. You're overwhelmed. Because no one gets connected to God without saying, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need to admit to God I need help, and then I ask him. Help in Second Corinthians one. Now Paul he goes through you know some very tough times in his life, like we've been talking about, and and he says this: We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through. It. In fact, we expected to die. I wonder if in your life can you recall a season or a time when you felt crushed and overwhelmed because of the trouble you were facing. And what Paul was facing was so difficult, he wasn't sure he was even going to get through it. Now, feeling this way, experiencing this kind of trouble in his life, he felt, I may not even live through this. But listen to the decision that Paul made. He said, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves, and we learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. Paul's saying, yeah, we faced a lot of trouble. I was depressed. I was discouraged. I was ready to give up. But then he says, as a result of this, I learned I can't rely on me. God, I need help. In other words, I saw saw how powerless I am to help myself. and, And after Check one, two. You face all kinds of trouble. (laughs) And well, I'll get to that. People have their back. I love how the message says this in this translation of the message. Paul says this. If it was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. He said, we felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, It was the best thing. Can you imagine that? It was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced. Sometimes that's what it feels like. We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. When it comes to a place where I'm drowning emotionally or physically, where I'm finally come to realize I can't do this on my own, your first call is say, God, I need your help. It should be your call all the time. Because the God who raises dead bodies... God has the power to raise the dead. has the power to raise dead relationships, dead careers, dead marriages. Secondly, and finally, I must humbly accept I need help from other people. Your batteries will grow low. They'll quit on you. Help. Nobody gets connected and reconciled to another human being without first saying, friend, Honey, brother, sister, I need you. Take off the bubble wrap. I need you. I need to let you in. This is what I'm going through. And you feel like this is a safe place. I trust you. Tonight, I'm excited about tonight because tonight at the Royal Home will be the first time since March 2020 we've had people over to our house that weren't relatives. And I miss it. Uh, we used to have people over every week for Life Group. You know why you have Life Group at your home, right? Because it makes you clean up your house once a week. That's the real purpose of it. Yeah, come on in. It's always like this. <laughs> ah, Some of you have hosted Life Groups too, I can tell. Yeah. So I want to tell you how important it is to have a buddy, have one another. Um, they put once, uh, when they did experience on animals, they wouldn't do this now, but back in the day when they did, they put a monkey in a cage and they purposely stretched out this, stressed this monkey out with flashing lights and symbols to freak him out. And they would draw uh, corticosol, is that how you call it, or They would draw these hormones out of their brains to test the level of their stress. And they say, okay, this is, where, this is how stressed this animal is. And then they still would, would flash the lights and have the symbols, and. And still stress them out. But what they did, they did something different. They would open up the cage door and they had a buddy, a buddy monkey, and they put that buddy in with him to go through it with him, a monkey he knew. And then they t- did the same thing, drew out these hormones from their brain. And it was literally cut in half of what it was before. So someone going through this with me. That's what connection does. We find in John 17, Jesus praying before he will be crucified. He knows what's going to happen to him. Yet his whole prayer is about us, not about him. And he begins praying, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also all for those, for those who will believe in me through this message. So he's praying for you. I'm not praying just for the disciples around me today. I'm praying for the gate church, for those in that service today back way ahead in 2022. I pray for those who also believe in my message. And what does Jesus pray for? He doesn't pray for the church finances. Jesus did not pray for the church building, as important as it is. He did not pray for the church constitution. Jesus prayed for the people of the church that they would be connected and unified together. He says this, that all of them may be one. That's what I'm praying for, Father. Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us that, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you notice what Jesus says there? He says this. He goes, when we are connected as a church body, when we're doing the one another's with each other and the bubble wrap comes off and we love each other, show grace to one another, because sometimes we, we we don't do very well, but I still love you and, and I, I, I'm not I, I care for you. The world when we do that, and the world sees that, they're gonna know it's true. Jesus changed the lives of these people. I want that and I need that. I don't find that at school or at my work or I don't find that what they have here. The greatest evangelism program is when we are truly connected to one another by practicing one another's in the Bible. The world will look at that and say, I want that. So in the Bible, in closing, it talks about how the early church did this, and this is why it grew. All the believers, it says. It says. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted themselves to fellowship. That's not potlucks. That's doing life together. And they also devoted themselves to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. And devoted themselves to prayer. It was about, I'm devoting with you in this. I'm devoting with you in this. I'm devoted and committed to do life with you in these areas. So it's not just in the physical healing we talked about the emotional healing we talked about, the spiritual healing we talked about, but even in the relational healing is so important. So important. And it's really up to you. You guys decide, God, will I be devoted to these things? Will I answer your prayer?
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.